Hello everyone, I'm your host Derlene Desjardins and today I will be covering a very fascinating case that took place back in November of 2010. Sit back, relax, and listen closely. Together they had two children, daughter Jennifer Pan and son Felix Pan. The Pan children were in fact near perfect. Felix was away studying mechanical engineering at a reputable university. He and Pan wanted his son to design cars and not assemble cars. Jennifer Pan was an Olympic caliber figure skater, an award-winning pianist, and a straight-A student. Han Pan initially wanted his daughter to become a doctor, but he eventually changed that to a pharmacist as he said Jennifer had no stomach to become a doctor. The Pans led a very strict and disciplined life, but lived in a beautiful home with several luxury vehicles. Cops believe those pricey goods may have contributed to luring three gun-toting thugs into their home that horrible night. Captured in a surveillance camera across the street were three shadowy figures approaching and entering the Pan family home together. Once the three individuals gained access into the home, they began demanding for money immediately. Initially, they confront Bick in the living room area. One of the intruders goes upstairs and takes Han Pan out of bed. Han wakes up to a gun pressed firmly to his forehead. Han Pan is then taken downstairs and Jennifer tells police she was in her bedroom upstairs talking on her phone when she hears something strange outside her door. Footsteps, which she told cops she knew were not her parents. Jennifer peeks outside her door to find a pistol pointed directly at her. In the midst of the chaos, a gunman ties Jennifer's hands behind her back with a shoelace and drags her from room to room and ransacks the home. The three assailants were described as black males, according to Jennifer. Jennifer hands over $2,500 she had saved from teaching piano and another $1,100 her mother had hidden in a nightstand but it is not enough. Han Pan tried to explain he had no more money and that is all they had. One assailant then pistol whips Han across the back of his head. A robber then takes Jennifer back to the second floor and ties her to the banister. Her hands were now bound behind her back to the banister. The gunmen now shove Big and Han to the basement and order them to turn around and face the wall. A gunman throws a blanket over Bacon Hand's heads, then five gunshots penetrate the home. Moments later, the security camera across the street captures the three males running away from the Pan family's home. For some reason, they spare Jennifer's life and she dials 911. What's your name? My name is Jennifer. Code is broken? Like. 34 seconds into the 911 call, something unbelievable happens. On the 911 call, Han Pan is heard screaming. 
Miraculously, he survives what was meant to be his execution. Tragically, Han Pan finds Big Ha Pan dead right at his feet. Big was shot multiple times to the back, and the shot that unfortunately ended her life was the shot to the back of her head. When police arrive on scene, they find Jennifer tied up exactly the way she had described, which raises a few eyebrows. Jennifer says she is tied up to the banister, but she is also making a 911 call on her phone. Now to the rest of the world, Jennifer was a grieving daughter, the survivor of an awful home invasion that left her mother, Big Dead, and her father, Han, in a serious coma struggling to survive. But police begin to question if Jennifer was really the sweet, intelligent girl or a devil in disguise. One main reason for this question is because why would these burglars kill two people and leave one behind as a witness unharmed? Another hole is the fact that these burglars did not take much from the home. There were luxury cars, televisions, devices, and more money that was discovered in the home that the burglars did not even lay a hand on. Cops were also concerned about how Jennifer made the 911 call with her flip phone if her hands were bound together. A flip phone would make it significantly more challenging. At this point, police bring Jennifer into police headquarters for a demonstration of how she made the phone call with her hands bound together. Jennifer demonstrates how she made the 911 call while her hands were bound together. Cops were still not convinced Jennifer was telling the truth, so they instructed a police detail to follow her, even to her mother's funeral. It was said that Jennifer did not even shed a tear at her own mother's funeral. Detectives go back to work immediately. Out of curiosity, police listen to the 911 call again. In the call, Jennifer screams for her father and calls for her father, but there is no response. Her father can obviously hear her cries, but does not go to her. That surprises the police because what father would not check on their child after something as horrific as that just happened? And that grew more suspicion. Unfortunately, the only person who could answer that question was in a coma fighting for his life in the ICU. Then things took a huge turn. Han Pan came out of his induced coma and he was talking. This is a huge miracle as he was shot in the face at very close range. Han Pan tells police he remembers every single bit of information that happened on that horrific night that took his beloved wife. This was not good news for his daughter, Jennifer Pan. Han Pan describes something completely different than what Jennifer Pan had described, and it is not the first lie Jennifer has made. In fact, she lies about almost everything. Jennifer was nothing like the straight-A, piano-playing daughter she pretended to be. Jennifer started lying at a young age and blamed her behavior on what is known to be tiger parenting. Tiger parenting is common in Asian culture and described as tough love bordering on tyranny. Han Pan was the classic tiger dad, pushing education over everything else, even choosing Jennifer's career path. 
Jennifer says it was so bad, she began creating a web of lies to satisfy him. Jennifer starts to lead a double life of deception. She started creating report cards with a photocopier. In fact, Jennifer never even graduated from high school. Jennifer even manufactured a college acceptance letter to an elite pharmacy school, the career her dad chose for her. Jennifer started living this fantasy life as though it was reality. She bought textbooks, highlighters, told her parents about her college professor, her college friends, and her entire family knew a false history about her education career. When it came time to graduate, Jennifer purchased a college diploma and her parents believed they had a successful daughter. Another forbidden thing by Tiger parents, dating. When Jennifer, the seemingly good girl, met a bad boy, Daniel Wong, she concocted more lies to hide their relationship. Daniel Wong was a part-time drug dealer. Cops say when Jennifer was supposedly away at university, she was secretly living with Daniel. Text messages show the boyfriend Daniel put Jennifer in contact with known hitmen he'd met through a prior drug dealing. The deal was $10,000, three hitmen will come in and kill the parents and make it look like a home invasion. Jennifer's killer plan may have operated successfully, but she did not expect her dad to survive. Pan Pan says he saw his daughter come downstairs, unbound, speaking in a friendly manner to a white guy. This places Jennifer as a suspect. With Han Pan's stunning accusations against his own daughter, police bring Jennifer back in for questioning. Jennifer went from being a victim to a possible perpetrator. After nine hours of police interrogation, Jennifer states she finally wants to tell the truth and nothing but the truth. Jennifer brings up a whole completely different story. Jennifer eventually retreats and puts her head down and says it was supposed to be her. She says after years of failed attempts to kill herself, she hired the hitman to come and do the job for her. She says it was only supposed to be her, not her parents. She agrees to arranging the hit, but she was supposed to be the target. A suicide by proxy, Jennifer claims, because she was so upset she was not able to see Daniel Wong. Cops wondered if this was just another lie, so they call in her forbidden boyfriend, Daniel Wong, for questioning. When Daniel Wong is brought in, he admits Jennifer wanted to kill her parents. Apparently, the two did not line up their stories beforehand. Her own boyfriend admits that she had sought to do this. Cops also discover a burner phone was given to Jennifer to contact the hitman. But Jennifer claims the SIM card, which contained a history of her text, had mysteriously disappeared. Jennifer got rid of the SIM card, but not the actual phone. And the police discovered the phone with hundreds of texts between Jennifer and the hitman. One text read, I need time of completion. Think about it. Game time, November 8th. But the most telling text dropped minutes before the gunman shot and killed her mother and seriously injured her father, saying, in all caps, VIP ACCESS. Police are also able to link the time of the text to 
to the exact moment the security cameras across the street capture the three men entering the Pan family's home. When the cameras are across the street, it is seen that Jennifer's lights in her bedroom turn on and off repeatedly, which police believe was a sign to let the hitman know it was go time and she had unlocked the front door. Cops cuff Jennifer on the spot and arrest her for the conspiracy to kill her father, attempted murder, and the murder of her mother. Daniel Wong and the three hitmen are also charged. Jennifer, Daniel, and two of the hitmen are sentenced to life in prison. The third gunman pleads guilty to a conspiracy to kill. Jennifer also receives a non-communication order, which means she can never speak to anyone in her family ever again. Before Jennifer was carried off to prison, her father did address her saying, I hope my daughter Jennifer thinks about what happened to her family and can become a good, honest person. In summary, Jennifer hired three hitmen to pose as intruders to gain access into her home to kill her parents because they forbid her from seeing her lover, Daniel Wong. Jennifer's mother, Big Ha Pan, did succumb to her injuries, unfortunately, but Jennifer's father, Han Pan, survived what was supposed to be his execution. In the end, justice was served and Jennifer and the other accomplices to this terrible crime were arrested. Jennifer's lies placed her in the situation and her lies were ultimately her downfall. One of the worst parts of this story is how Big Ha Pan's last words were pleads for the gunman to spare Jennifer's life, when Jennifer had no intention of doing the same for her. concludes today's podcast thank you for tuning in i hope it was worth your time i hope you enjoyed and i will see you in the next podcast